0: Guys, I'm really excited to be telling you about Great Lakes Back Company If you've been listening to cold weather bats, then you know about GLB, but we're here to tell you more about them today. Earlier this season, I ordered custom fungos with my coach's names on it, as well as go devs and grows baseball on it as well. And as you could guess, it came to my house in under a week from the order. And we were really appreciative of how quick that turnaround time was just in time for playoffs for us to show off our new fungos and to give our kids the best quality of ground balls and fly balls to get them prepared. Uh, If you're a player, no matter if you're youth or high school, college or professional they offer everything from bat fitting for your wood bats to training Uh, they have overload and underload training they have short bats and long bats everything to get you ready uh, for the game on top of that coaches administrators if you're looking for a place to get the best uniforms apparel and accessories you can count on great lakes bat company to offer you a tremendous amount of value in that as well with another uh, round of quick turnaround similar to how i experienced it with the fungo so coming from someone who has ordered with Great Lakes Bat Company, several times I can highly vouch for their products and their customer service. Aaron and the team do a tremendous job. Make sure to check them out today at GreatLakesBatCo.com or on social media at GreatLakesBatCo. All right, welcome into the CWB Award Show, final episode of season three. This is Brandon Justice, and we've got Dan Griesbaum Jr. on the other side, pinch hitting today for Brian Skowski, uh, who is uh, leaving everything, every drop of sweat he's got down in Hoover, Alabama throughout the next uh, few days, as I understand it. But if you're trying to keep up with the BSEC summer schedule, it's like trying to keep up with uh, Queens Tours. In the eighties, is that relatable? I don't know. Well, anyway, <laughs> that, day- that was quite a poll. That was quite a poll, Brendan. Thanks, appreciate it. I'm trying to relate to all the demographics, you know. Right. First, first few of of the show will hit the kids. The next few will hit the adults, and then we'll bring it back to the uh, millennials in between there. So we're hitting all we're hitting all areas. So you're here again pinch hitting you're you're actually featured on an award that we were going to surprise you with um <laughs> that's now now no longer a surprise but we'll get to that uh but at the same time we haven't talked to you in a little bit since the last time you pinch hit for me which we appreciate uh how's everything been going in your world what have you been up to i know you've been talking about you've been busy with uh with jimmy johns so let's hear about it
1: yeah uh well first of all happy to be back always happy to uh to pinch hit, and ironically enough uh during my latter stages of baseball that was pretty much the only thing that everybody thought I was good at was pinch hitting so that's (laughs) appropriate (laughs) toward the end of my career anyway Um, but uh, yeah happy to be back Um, yeah since the end of the season well first of all my day job you know just at Jimmy John's Field uh, running the operation there and uh, being in the thick of the summer Uh, but things are going great you know we're busy and back to Kind of uh, pre pre COVID forms, I guess you could call them, with with the crowds and and a lot of sellouts and a lot of excitement there, which has been fun. Uh, from a amateur baseball standpoint, which of course is what this shows about, uh, we have, as always uh, it had the third annual now MAC OAA All Star Game at Jimmy Johns Field, so we hosted that. Uh, it's becoming a nice tradition. You know, Jimmy Johns Field is located basically right between Oakland and Macomb counties, so it's really a perfect venue for an all-star game between those two conferences uh they ended up tying 10-10 oddly enough the uh the mac won the first two games uh that we hosted there the last you know the last couple years and they jumped out to like a six nothing lead and uh oaa ended up storming back and the game ended 10-10 uh but it was good you know nice crowd and, and another fun fun event there and then we ended up hosting the uh the big MHSBCA, you know statewide all-star game as well just by chance they ended up getting rained out at Comerica Park on the Monday that they were supposed to have it and Comerica Park you know traditionally just doesn't have any rain dates there's just nothing open on their schedule so uh, we ended up hosting that at Jimmy John's Field as well and the uh, the schedule changed caused some cancellations with a few players and also a few coaches so I actually ended up being asked to pinch hit there as well. I ended up being an assistant coach on the, the East squad for the all-star game, which was a lot of fun, man. I mean, it's, uh, best players in the state on one field, you know, wherever you play it, that's a fun thing to be a part of. I, it,
0: I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was, uh, I wonder if they got any money back for that right now. Probably not though. Right. Uh, but yeah, good, good question. Put, put it to next year, maybe. <laughs> of all the things I could have followed up with, uh, that's fun, man. That that sounds like a good time. Yeah, I know the All Star Game is pretty special. Not every state gets to do that, so I think it's pretty cool that uh, that we do that here in Michigan and that the um, the association and you know puts the work and put that on every year. I think a lot of people don't understand the amount of manpower that goes into putting something together like that and then hosting them back to back had to be had to be interesting. Was that back to back weekends or was that like one weekend? Yeah, no, it was
1: within. Yeah, it was within a f- really a few. It was less than a week right? in the MHS BCA one that that possibility wasn't even brought up to us until like the day before the game was scheduled so it was really just a few days lead time that we had to put that together but we wanted to do it it was exciting it's fun and um, a lot does go into it like you said I mean you're bringing in guys from all over the state you know they, the east team is one thing that's basically Wayne Oakland and Macomb County but the guys on the west squad they come from literally all over the state you know UP right. whatever so it's a lot a lot of logistics involved
0: yeah, no, the logistics had to have been – I don't envy you. I don't envy you in that spot, Or nor, nor do I envy the guys putting together that event having to explain to a bunch of guys that uh, the All-Star game they had prepped for for a few weeks is now uh, being changed – both days, yeah, I mean, right. Really,
1: you know, th- those of us at Jimmy John's Field, we're not going to pretend to think that the guys were excited about that. You know, from a venue change standpoint, it's obviously playing at Comerica Park. That's a major league venue and a really special thing to have a chance to do. But it ended up being, you know, us or nothing. And you know, we wanted to give them the experience still. And uh, you know, I think they had a good time still. And of course, a lot of them had a dream of playing at Comerica Park someday. Most of them had never done that before. And I feel bad that they didn't get a chance to do it. It was unfortunate.
0: It'll all work out. That's the biggest problem they got. They'll have pretty good lives, right? No doubt about it. No doubt about it. I
1: can tell – I'll tell you something else from a coaching standpoint, and you'll appreciate this, but just, uh, you know, walking out to first base. I was walking out to coach first base in the first inning, and I kind of looked at the lineup card who was coming up, and it's pretty fun You see (laughs) – well, we got Minnie McKay leading off. We got Fredo hitting two. We've got Oliver Service hitting three. We got Broski hitting four. You know, it's nice to have that that lineup of uh, future Power 5, you know, D1 Power 5 hitters coming up for your team in the first inning. It was pretty neat.
0: Yeah, Minnie and Freddie uh, know a thing or two about going going 1-2 in a game. They did that for a couple summers, and, man, it was a luxury to say the least. We didn't – I don't know how well we fought. We We can't go nine deep with the all-star team, but – those those two know a thing or two about being close in order, even though they, they actually played against each other probably tenfold more than they played with each other with the amount Rice and Richard right. Lake have played the last four years. Did you have Hill? Yeah, Hill in
1: that lineup too, didn't you?
0: Yeah, Drew is in that lineup. Uh
1: pretty good pretty good lineup for a for,
0: yeah. for yeah, man, it was good. Uh you know, Jason Oliver was in that lineup the first year. Uh, you know, he ended up being pretty good at baseball. Kyle Remington was in that lineup. We'll talk about him later. Um, man, it was spoiler all kind of spoiler alert. He got the 2022s too that were in that lineup, like Davenport, Hudson, uh, right. from Richmond. And, uh, you know, we had, we had all kinds of guys in that lineup, man. It was, uh, right. it was a good time. It was, um, to, you know, we, we you know, the, the guys from that team and I still talk about it every so often, uh, like Roberts and, um, you know, there's a few other guys in that team that were that were really good players, and, you know, they'll reach out, or I'll reach out, or, you know, we have a group message still where we'll keep up, and uh, I went to one of their graduation parties, and one of the moms was just kind of like, you know, usually those things just kind of, like, end, like, those those teams just kind of go to the next year, and they go to different teams when they're 17 or 18, and then that's kind of that, but this team is, you know... A lot. Most that that core group still is really tight, and they they still reach out to me quite a bit. And you know, I got to go to grad parties and everything. And um, you know, they still keep up, and they're still tight. So it's cool. It's it's really special. I was really lucky to have uh, have that group. I I don't think I'll ever repeat that. I don't think anybody.
1: I mean, that's special. That's definitely a special group. I mean, you'll be you'll be watching those guys progress for the next three four years with a lot of interest. I'm sure.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, with that being said, uh, you guys came here for the third annual or is it the second annual It might be the second i don't i think it's the second annual uh cwb awards and this year we are doing a little bit of what we did last year and then uh, adding on a couple of awards as well so let's go down the list and refresh your guys's memory with what awards are going to be given out today and then you know break some news on the new awards which of which there are not many but enough to mention so uh we'll have coach of the year coach of the year is not a division specific award if there's only one winner for this Uh, We have the Team of the Year, again, not a uh, division-specific award. Uh, And then we have Pitcher of the Year, which is division-specific, so you'll have a Pitcher of the Year in each division and then Player of the Year in each division as well. Uh, Then we have Moment of the Year, which is my personal favorite of our awards. Uh, Cinderella of the Year, uh, Mr. Downriver, which is actually my favorite award. Uh, Rookie of the Year is new, and we have a Rookie of the Year for Pitcher, and then we have a Rookie of the Year for Player. And then... Maybe our best award and the best edition is the best third co-host. I'm looking looking forward to that one. which I I know everyone's like, well, he's on the show. So this is clearly like, (laughs) clearly they're just thanking him for doing it. No, we actually had this prepared. This is not even sarcasm because I know sometimes a lot of people can't tell my filter between what's real and what's not. Um, Sometimes I'll make contact with Dan while I'm talking and he'll ask. I can see you asking yourself, is this is he being serious right now, or is this just like the most jabroni stuff I've ever heard? And he's just yanking the chain. Uh, I can assure you all at home that we had this prepared prior to needing Dan to pinch hit for today's show. We were going to call him live while recording and, and congratulate him on his award for the best third co-host of 2023, uh, of which he was the only nominee. But <laughs> with with flying colors, took home the took home the trophy. So, congratulations. Should I assume that it was a relatively easy win for me this year? Was there not, not a lot of competition? We took a long look at the board and we just thought you were the uh, the, the clear winner. You know, and in all categories, your name just was always at the end of that category. It was, <laughs> it was always the last name we mentioned. It was, you know, we couldn't, we couldn't finish a criteria topic without ending with, you know, I think Dan's the best one there. Oh, I appreciate that. So in other news, we will start at the top. With Coach of the Year, and we will remind you who won in 2022, uh, and then we will talk about some some candidates uh, that we considered, some some options that we might that we had, and then we will deliver the winner. All right. Um, now, in a perfect world, next year, I was thinking about this. We would do this visually, similar to how we did the player draft, um, and get some people together and everything. But you know, those things take time. Uh, it's an idea but just know that we're delivering this as efficiently as we can for the time being. So uh, coach of the year, last year's winner in 2022 was uh Kevin Shubnell or Shubnell is it Shubnell, Shubnell. I just say Shub. I, I say, I say Shubnell personally. Shubnell. I think, uh, okay. think that's correct. I, yeah. I think so too. Uh, we were able to play against Gross Point North this year. So it was my first time meeting uh, coach Shubnell and, you know, awesome dude, like super genuine guy uh, there for the right reasons, extremely, uh, Good hands at Gross Point North with Coach Chubb. He was the winner last year. Of course, they made it to the state finals last year uh, and lost 1 nothing to Orchard Lake St. Mary's in the D1 finals. Uh, this year, they did not make it out of districts because of the Blue Devils. So they uh, beat up on uh, the Red Devs and then the Blue Devs uh, humbled them a bit in the wraparound. So, congratulations to you guys and your district championship while you're here on the show. Um, oh, thank you. And they, I believe in the national championship. They didn't, it. Championship. Well, they well, didn't make yeah. it easy. It, it was not. Uh, no, it never is.
1: It was not easy. And getting past uh, Brennan Hill and Jordan Arsenault on the mound, they had they gotten by us, you know, we could be talking about him as coach of the year again, potentially. You know, it was a, it was a close game, and they could have made another run again, no doubt about
0: it. Yeah, and, and uh, allegedly they are potentially – going to seeding next year so that matchup might change which is bittersweet because while we all agree that those two teams shouldn't have to play each other as early as they do annually it is still a lot of fun to know that more times than not you're going to have that those two teams in the city go against each other to determine who goes on but uh, a very well accomplished year for gross point south Um, and again another bunch of wins and I believe they won the league too, right? gross Point North did. They did, yeah. They won the Mac White pretty easy. I believe they only lost one game, I think. So Coach Rub now has another very solid year. Uh not coach of the year this year, but he was our winner last year. And this year plenty of options. Uh you know, Corey Farner at Woodhaven was able to guide the Warriors to the state final uh, and did it in a fashion where they didn't win the league for the first time in I think like six or seven years. Um, they weren't bad in, by any means. I think they were like 26 and 11 going into the state playoffs, but all the same, uh, took a team that, you know, had lost to Allen Park twice in the season and then was swept by the Jags in the season. The only undefeated team, the down river league has seen to my knowledge. And in, in at the very least quite some time, uh, Woodhaven was able to beat them. Um, so they were somebody that we considered with what they were able to do. And then obviously, uh, you guys faced Woodhaven in the, uh, State quarterfinal, and that was a great game, and they were able to overcome that one as well. Uh, just a lot of good moments from a coaching perspective for Woodhaven, so uh, we did consider Coach Farther, Coach Farner, very closely for for this award. Um, you have some others you can consider in here as well, um, but the winner for this year's Coach of the Year is Rick Green at Novi. And to be honest with you, while we did take a look at a few different candidates it did kind of continue to come back to Coach Green at Novi because when you look at their season and the schedule that they played and the losses that they had, of which there were very few, uh, it's really hard to not be impressed by what they were able to do uh, this season. The the total wins and losses uh, going into the playoffs uh, or exiting the playoffs is 32-8. and Um, And if you look at their final month, and a half there. Like you go all the way back to you go all the way back to the twenty second of April and they only lost four games in between the twenty second of April and the seventeenth of June. And they lost two nothing to Lakeland, two nothing to Heartland, one nothing to Northville and four to three to Northville. Those were their only four losses between April's for two months. Their four losses were by one run or two runs at the most to really high quality teams that were all at some point in our Super 25 between Lakeland heartland and of course northville who was our number one for a while uh losing to them in a double header or it wasn't out of double header. it was a monday wednesday tour deal but still losing to them four to three and one to nothing um two nothing to the lake one so dominant year it was not just a, a hot run come playoff time novi played extremely well in in a in a league in in an area that's extremely talented uh, you're playing teams like northville twice you're playing teams like heartland twice. Uh, you're playing, I mean, even early in the year, they had originally had scheduled Allen Park. I mean, could you imagine they had a three-game triangle with Allen Park originally scheduled? And, or It looks like a doubleheader that was canceled and ended up showing us three games. all the same. Even their non-conference was Allen Park, Edison, Howell, Wild Lake Northern, Brighton is in conference, I believe. Uh, but all the same, they scheduled tough. Um, it looks like they tried to schedule Allen Park three different times and got rammed out all three times. I've a good game. So, uh, yeah, you get rewarded for scheduling tough because come playoffs, you're ready for anything and you're okay with being – I believe their record was 24-8 and eight going into playoffs, which is, you know, still extremely admirable. It's It's not – 35 and 0 or anything, you know, extremely sexy, but it's still really good and still really efficient. And people who don't care for their season record and just go play the toughest games and then you know let it all play out and then come playoff time, you know, leave it all out there. You know, typically you're gonna you might not you're not gonna win every time. That's impossible, but you're gonna sleep well at night knowing you did everything you could to prepare uh, your team uh, for the playoffs if you're scheduling tough. And I think that's what they were able to do from a surface level this year. And then you talk about the execution and you know the how well they were able to roll out. I mean, they didn't even have Brendan Bennett in the state finals or in the final four. Uh, and you know, we know the player he is—the Clemson committed uh pitcher for, um, for Novi. Of course, Andrew Abler ended up being, you know, quite the uh quite the guy behind him, uh, the fellow who started the the state finals as well. So everything uh, you know ended up working out for them. But you know, they had adversity during the playoffs, even if they didn't. Uh, you, you look at the playoffs: thirteen, four, four, two, six, two, four, zero, twelve, two, four, one, eight, three. Pretty, I mean, they're pretty convincing in their wins as well in Division One. So,
1: it's, yeah, I mean, it's not like they didn't play anybody. I I thought they went through two teams that I thought were a lot of people's favorite to win the state championship with you know Northville and CC. You know, I mm-hmm. think, I mean, me me personally, if somebody asked me who my dark horse was to win the state championship, I I said Catholic Central. Just um. I just thought they had a shot to knock off Northville, you know, whenever they played them. And I thought they were a little bit underrated because they were playing in the Catholic League, which is such a tough division. You know, you end up getting more losses than you really deserve. And uh, that was my dark horse team. And then Novi, kind of not, – not that they came out of nowhere. I think everybody knew they were a good team. But it's just everybody had paid so much attention to Northville. And then CC after that, I think it was sort of lost in there a little bit. But maybe – that's our fault i guess you know we should we should have really saw this coming with how hot they were
0: i was running with a flag about novi uh before the dish the 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 episode where we previewed the districts we were just kind of breaking these teams down and like i'll i think i've said it on the show before but if i haven't because i've had a bit of tunnel vision between coaching and you know real life like full-time jobs and stuff like things that we do in in, like our normal lives um but I, i probably mentioned it before but Head coaching, head coach, like being a head coach is like a huge difference mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you, you try hosting a show while, while doing that and you get you get television because you're really focused <laughs> on your team whereas when when you're an assistant i guess you're just not doing as much of that day-to-day stuff and, and you have more time to kind of look around and scout around i think the biggest factor for sure for me was you know we're not, i'm not coaching summer ball not seeing the kids in summer ball not knowing about the kids in the lower levels as much now uh, like the underclassmen i don't know as much about as i used to but one thing i did know is that nova had a loaded pitching staff and i remember before the district's thinking like we should probably talk a little bit more about Novi because because of this. And, and I remember mentioning it. Like, hey, I, I, all I said was, I think they're going to be dangerous. I think they're be a really tough team to beat. I didn't, I didn't sit here and say they're going to win states. So it's not like I'm the messiah or anything. Uh, however, I do think you're right. I think it was necessary for us to, to look out for them. I think that we uh, definitely, for another year, have confirmation of how important it is to have a strong pitching staff. Yeah. Um, and to take it even deeper, like, not only to have a top 2 but to have a reliable 3 because if you get to that final four and the number 1 is uh you know can't throw that day for whatever reason then who are you going to go to do you have somebody there because if you just have two guys then it's where it gets tricky uh, Well
1: I mean you saw, that's you saw the game you saw the quarterfinal game between between us and Woodhaven you know you get with the pitch count rules now you 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 run into a guy's limit and then you've got to turn the ball over to somebody else and if they haven't if they haven't pitched in a high leverage situation in a little bit, you just don't necessarily know what you're going to get. And, uh, you know, that's kind of what happened to us. You know, we we had two guys that were clicking really well, but they were both out of gas and also out of pitches in the case of Grabowski. And then you have to turn it over to somebody a little bit cold, and sometimes you just don't know what you're going to get at that point.
0: And I think what's most interesting about – all of it is that it's another year where that happens it's not you can have the, the the longest conversation about how do you win in the playoffs and what prepares you to win in the playoffs and and you need you it's an arms race like i'm mm-hmm. i i will die on that hill i'll be here in 20 years telling you that if you don't have arms you're not going to win in the playoffs i'm sorry there's no there's no amount of high school offense to compete with high school arms in today's, in today's game, especially in Michigan where I, you know, I have a lot of love for the amount of talent in our state right now. And I think guys like, you know, Bonner and like, uh, you know, a couple other guys are like steps ahead of everybody else. But then there's that like tier two-ish that's like insanely good relative to what we've seen in the past. Um, But the pitching is like, there's like 15, like for every like tier one position player, there's like 10 pitchers. You know, and, and, and that's
1: And just... look what a neutralizer it can be if you look at, you know, say the state championship game last year, Gross Point North against Saint Mary's. If you go player for player across the you know, around the horn, that shouldn't be that close of a game. But you have Brennan Hill on the mound dominating all of a sudden it's a one nothing game. You know, it's just a great neutralizer. Having the pitching can can put a lesser team right there in the game with a team that really should, you know,
0: have control of it, otherwise speaking. We'll find out more about uh, what Novi has coming back next year when we do a preview episode in the summer. But what Coach Green was able to do this year was pretty undeniable. Um, we taught I mean, and when we considered these awards, we talked around with their coaches, we talked around with the, you know some people who pay attention closely in the state. We got different perspectives, uh, you know, educated uh watchers spectators i guess you could say of the game and uh his name just kept circling back it was the one we heard the most by far um what he was able to do this year was was extremely uh admirable and what that team was able to do was as well of course we had uh, andrew abler on the show uh, earlier this summer and he was able to break down a lot of what we've what we've already covered Um, but congratulations to coach rick green on winning this year's cold weather bats 2023 coach of the year We'll move on now and we'll go to team of the year. And uh, naturally, last year's team of the year was Orchard Lake St. Mary's. Going 44 0 kind of makes that an easy choice. This year was a little bit different. This year, uh, last year, our coach of the year was was the team who actually lost and conceded to Orchard Lake St. Mary's in the finals, like we talked about was with Coach Chapnell. Um, so, in the spirit of that, we wanted to make sure that our coach of the year and team of the year. Uh, diversified a bit again this year, so we're we're not just crowning two different teams. So that's not to say that this team was not better than Novi, and this is what's interesting is this team, although they're in they're not in Division One, I wonder if they were. I there's a legitimate case for them to have, have won Division I as well, which, like, the way Division I's tournament went this year, we'll talk about it for the next 10 years, it was a wild one. I mean, anybody could have gone in there and won it with the way things were going in, in, in that tournament. Um, but our team of the year for 2023 is Grand Rapids Christian. Uh, they have been a mainstay of the cold-weather bats Super 25 for three straight seasons since we since we incepted it. A big reason for that was a very, very, very loaded 2023 2024 classes including you know Kyle Remington this year who made his uh made his final appearance as an Eagle in the state championship uh, when they won it in Division two beating Liggett by a score of I believe it was two to one that's two to one right two to yes. one yep uh pitcher's duel uh Ty Uckman on one side um and Preston Barr on the other yep and uh, I'm just so happy I got the bar first name right <laughs> yes As people know who listen to the show, I don't do a good job of the uh, names or cities and and sometimes even geography location is a struggle for me. So I'm happy we made it through that. But Grand Rapids Christian with another undeniable year uh, in Michigan high school baseball and uh, holding on and repping, I think, in a way, the uh, Cold Weather Bats original Super 25s uh, back in 2021 when we were kind of talking about Grand Rapids Christian as a school and and a program that was going to be... One I got forced to be reckoned with for the next couple of years because of what they had and what they had coming in. And, um, you know, at that time, Remington was a sophomore Jackson Isaacs, who's going to be a senior next year, I believe uh he might be he might be going to be a junior and this is why i need brian sometimes um (laughs) but regardless we knew how much talent they had coming in and and it all ended up coming to fruition and they finished the year 33 and 5 really strong season uh you know the losses were like byron center who's a great team grand rapids uh forest hills central who we know anybody coming out of Forest Hills is strong, but they also took two from Forest Hills. There was a two or three with the three games, and they took two or three, you know, so you can't, I don't know. They lost one to Porters Northern by one run in six innings. Game got called early. It was a 7-6 final. They lost to Matawan, got beat up pretty good by Matawan, uh in late April. Uh, lost to East Grand Rapids by a run, but then beat them two more times um, and lost to, that's it. Those are all their losses. So, you know, Two of their five losses were in the second uh, legs of triple headers. They lost one to a really good Byron Center team. They lost to a good Forest Hill Central team. They lost to a good Fortis Northern team. They lost to a good Manawan team. Um, And those were all early season. If you look at the final month, if you go all the way back to April 29th, they lost two games in between there uh, and the playoff run. 6-1-0 Reese, Grand Rapids. Mercy to team. uh, Grand Rapids, West Michigan Aviation Academy. We'll just leave the details of that game out of it because i have no idea that's why we're getting rid of buys no offense um (laughs) And then, I'm so sorry if you're listening to this and you go to West Michigan Aviation Academy, but I'm assuming if you go to West Michigan Aviation Academy, your baseball aspirations probably aren't that high. Anyway, um, I'll see you on a flight soon. Uh, and then we've got Grand Rapids South Christian, who they beat 4-0. Uh, they beat Grand Rapids CC 8-1. to They beat Stevensville the Lakeshore 8-2. to They beat Olivet 12-2. to They beat uh, Powers Catholic 4-0. And then, of course, in the final, they beat Liga 2-1. So, they really... Nobody really, outside of Leggett, nobody really came close. I mean, Powers, they beat four zero. 0 That's a close game, but Powers really didn't sniff runs. And so uh, a dominant and proper Way for Grand Rapids Christian to win it. And uh, they've got a, a, a good amount of talent coming back next year uh, with Isaacs leading the way to give them an opportunity to do it again. But this year was certainly the year that felt like if Christian was going to do it, this was their window. It felt the same way for Liggett, too, with the the class they have as well. So that was a, a, an ultimate uh, ending. Um, but what can you say about Grand Rapids Christian's 2023 season? And Isaacs is a
1: 24, uh, by the way.
0: Okay. Um, and, and Re- Remington went in that
1: game against uh, Powers, right? The semifinal yes. game?
0: Yes, Remington, yeah. yep. He was, yeah. he was so, the semifinal.
1: Right. So, yeah, that, that one against Liggett, I I mean, I mean to come clean, I, I thought Liggett would pull that one out in a close one, personally. I just thought they might have a little bit of an, of an advantage on the mound with uh, Preston Barr being arrested going into that game. I thought Liggett had a better path on the way to that game. Just there was... Coming through Metro Detroit is not a real challenging path in the the early rounds if you're in Division Two. So I, I felt like they just had rested arms, and I mean they're just a really good team too. I mean the core of the team is all right. Power Five commit guys, um, and they were right there. You know they had had a chance to win it, obviously. Um, but yeah, I mean Grand Rapids Christian proved uh, proved to be proved to be the best team, and uh, I think you're right. I think they could have competed certainly in the in the Division One. Tournament as well. That's not a totally foreign concept. I mean, um, St. Mary's, the last, you know, the couple of championships that they won in D2, I think people would have said something similar about them those years. They certainly could have won D1 as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I don't know what Christian's enrollment is, but I think they're probably going to stick at D2, and I think that's smart. But I do think that this year, was definitely a year a year where they could have gone into d1 and, and turned some heads and uh and made it i think as far as they as they did in in, uh, in division two um but i do think it was a proper ending for for christian and liggett to face off and you know that you know brings up the argument of people that think the seating thing is great because you're going to end up the best teams are going to end up playing in the right spots not in districts but then there's like things like that that happen where Christian and Luggett still play and it all worked out anyway and Powers was there too so you, you did have the three what we believe was the three best teams so
1: whatever I'm I, I don't want to I mean I, I don't want to get on too much of a tangent in the middle of the awards but I I have a feeling if they do the seating that they're going to start out kind of slow with it and it might just be seating within districts you know like they do with basketball right now Yeah. Um. Um, you know, as opposed to across the board, I, th- I think they might just start small with it. Where, you know, in the case of like Gross Point North and South, they would end up playing in the district final all the time, as opposed to sometimes in the pre-district and whatever. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens with that. It'll it'll uh, seating across the board, like more like football. I we might be a little ways off from that still, but but we'll see.
0: All right, and moving on, we will we will leave Team of the Year behind and move on. Congratulations to Grand Rapids Christian on being the 2023 Coweather Bats Team of the Year. And now we'll get into our division-specific awards. These will move a little bit quicker. We'll drop some statistics and, and, and recap it a bit and move on because if we go at this pace – Um, we will be here until next season, and I don't (laughs) want to do that to all of you guys. But all the same, we wanted to make sure, you know, our two big winners, Coach of the Year and Team of the Year, which we might have been better suited to leave for the end, but uh, I am merely a guy pretending to be a podcast host. So uh, moving on to pitcher of the year, last year's winner in division one was you guessed it, Brock Porter, who is currently dominating uh, the minor league baseball, which is no shocker. And this year's winner was another one who is not, I Brock Porter is an anomaly. So like, let's not go comparing apples to apples with Brock Porter. Um, But Andrew Abler did have a very dominant year. And he, he, although you had a lot of options with where you could go with this, I'm going to say this, I'm going to say you had a lot of options. Uh, but what I'm not going to say is that it was that hard to figure out who was the guy. Uh, Andrew Abler was, was really just incredible in the playoffs. Um, he was 89 to 91 ish. And that's what I see. I'm not going to see him report that as fact. I just know that that's what was reported was that he was 89 to 91 in the state championship game uh, with the slider curveball mix. Um, and, and he was awesome. He overlays the slider and the curveball Well, it's hard to see which plane is breaking and he's able to mix those things up. He can throw the secondary early. He can come with the fastball early. He can outpitch with the fastball. He can out pitch with the breaker. Uh, it just really, I mean, did it all really well this year. Um, the stats were like absurd. Um, this season and I'm trying to find him because I definitely have 900 names in front of me and did not realize I didn't have his stats in front of me, but just know this, this season was absurd for Andrew Abler. We had him on the show already. So you guys know all about the season that he had. And, and he went in and uh, took care of uh, a state championship with his team as well. Helped out in the offense, not just a, a pitching guy this year, but that is where he dominated. He is off to Harvard to pitch next year, and we will certainly be paying a lot of attention to what he is able to do at that level. Um, what did you see from Andrew Abler? I know you probably only got to watch a little bit of him uh, come playoff time. Um, but what did you see from him this year?
1: Yeah, no, I just would echo that that's the right choice, and I think you said it all as far as comparing it to last year's winner. It's, I think Brock Porter might just be a once-in-a-generation kind of a deal. You know, I don't know if we're going to. See anyone quite dominate on that level, but you know you're looking at a guy whose team won the Division One state championship. He led the way. He had all the stats
0: that back it up, and it's it's the right choice. Absolutely. So congratulations to Andrew Abler, uh, who is our Division One Pitcher of the Year in 2023. In Division Two, we go to Flint Powers Catholic. Last year's winner was uh, Noah Keller from Goodrich, and this year's winner is Grant Garman. Uh, from Powers Catholic, who had like just an absurd year, um, and I'm sorry, Andrew Aviler, for not having your stats in front of me. However, I do have Garmin stats in front of me. Uh, he went 12 and two this year. Uh, record is whatever. He threw 79 innings, uh, had 127 strikeouts to 14 walks with a 0.61 ERA. So 127 strikeouts to 14 walks the 0.61 ERA is certainly efficient if, uh, if I had to say so myself. So an absurd year for Grant Garman. unquestionably, I mean, this was the easiest, maybe the easiest choice to make. And that was a a league or that's a division with like Kyle Remington and, uh, you know, Ty Ockman, who was awesome for, for, uh, for Christian. And then you had Preston bar for Liggett. I mean, Honestly, Joey Randazzo made a case to even get looked at for this. He was so efficient all year as well, and in, in yep. bigger moments, especially in that semifinal game. Um, but Grant Garvin runs away with it this year with an incredible uh, season. Uh, what did you see from Grant Garvin this year?
1: Yeah, you know, I think that that really is. I, I would have had trouble picking, maybe more trouble than you picking this one. I I don't have access to the stats and whatnot, but like you mentioned, there's a lot of guys in D two D two that really had nice years. Um, And good teams, good, you know, really good arms with good teams and, um, you know, bar. And uh, I I didn't necessarily
0: think of Randazzo, but that's a great point that you made just because every time he's out there, he (laughs) seems to win. You know, he seems to. That's what I was starting to think. I was like, I'm not paying a whole lot of attention as much as I normally would, but I just keep seeing Joy Randazzo go out there and it ends with a win right exactly
1: um so and to me it wasn't as easy of a of a choice necessarily on the surface just because of the competition but right. um you know well it'll be fun following him into to next season he's got another another year too i don't i don't know a ton about what teammates he has coming back but you know powers will definitely be a a favorite again just for the mere fact that they have him back on the bump
0: it's an arms race yep it's an arms race in each division, in each division, especially when you get into the lower ones. Especially. Um, because it does it unevens, it unevens the playing field. So congratulations to Greg Garmin, our 2023 D2 pitcher of the year. On to D3, I keep saying things like, Oh, this one was probably one of the easier ones, but actually the easiest award to pick by far was this one. So please with an asterisk. Uh, On the other ones that I mentioned, this was actually the only one where we were like, all right, we know exactly who won this one, and that is D3 Pitcher of the Year, Josh Kastner, uh, out of Algonac, Michigan uh, commit. He was just extremely dominant this year. Uh, He he went seven innings with seven strikeouts and one earned run in the, I believe this was the semifinal. Yeah, in the semifinal. Um, His season record was 79 innings pitched, 137 strikeouts, uh, 0.70 or a 11 and 0 record he was awesome he ate a ton of a ton of innings uh and he still is he's you know it, he's got a lot of uh, length to him not just like single day lengths but really just like season seasonal length because he just won six innings pitched in the middle of july early july i guess you could say after eating six to seven innings all year long uh for algonac throughout the spring and usually you see guys who pitch with a lot of length for their high school team kind of slow down come summertime and usually just do like the four or five pitch outings at the most and uh, this guy's going out there and still throwing six and seven in the summer so uh, Kasner's definitely the real deal uh, definitely deserving of this award
1: yeah I mean and his team will be right back in it again next year you would think with uh, with him leading the way I I don't know I I mean that was one of the when it came down to final four time I I would say that Algonac was one of the teams that everybody probably felt the best about right maybe coming away with it but oh yeah absolutely I think they were the far and away favorite going into going into it all and he had that you know he had a big performance in the semifinal he's a you know really good really good four pitch mix you know he he does a lot of things really well and it'll be fun to watch him as he moves into next season and you know I think he sits about 8990 most of the time right now see if it end up with a, a few more on top of that between
0: now and next year it'll be fun to fun to watch him going forward. Yeah, no doubt. He was uh, He was awesome all year, and good to see him again. In Division 4, uh, Caden Smith was the winner from Beale City. He's a Kent State commit. He was awesome uh, for them in the playoffs and, and really stood out as one of the uh, better players in Division 4. Trent Rice was obviously awesome in Division 4 for the last few years as a position player. Uh, Caden Smith kind of stood out with the same type of vibrance that trying rice sit out with where he kind of looked like a man among boys in that division um and he was awesome in the division four final i was not lucky enough to be able to watch the division four final did you get a chance to watch it i i did not no i i think uh and this is another guy he's a, he's a 24
1: also isn't he yes yeah so we're you know we've got we've already got some storylines developing for next year there's going to be some teams that had a really nice run that have a chance to be really good again. It'd be interesting.
0: Yeah, they were, uh, man, Caden Smith is awesome. Uh, so congratulations to him. Um, again, we we don't just make these awards on our own. We kind of come up with like a rough draft, and then we go around and vet. And uh, Kate Smith was, he checked all the boxes for Pitcher of the Year in Division 4. He was consistently picked. And just to make sure that, our winners from 2022 got a shout out because I forgot to shout them out is Matthew Hoover won the pitcher of the year in division three from Buchanan last year. And then Connor Silka from Riverview gave to Richard shout out Brian Sikowski won it in division four last year. Uh, so congratulations again to this year's winners for pitcher of the year. Andrew Abler, Grant Garman, Josh Kastner, and Caden Smith. down to player of the year. Uh, we'll start with division one, Caleb Bonner, out of Okemos. It was unbelievable this year. We get him back next year uh to keep with the theme i mean he's just i mean just tremendous i i mean he is arguably the best position player um in a long time i think he is extremely good we uh like like hand in the air like nobody talks about orchard lake. In 2021 and 2022, as much as cold weather bats, because like it's it was our job to shine a light in Michigan high school baseball, and they were far and away the best team. They were the best team in the country, and so like naturally we did, and and all of that. But like lest we forget that, uh Caleb Bonner might be the best position player, like in the last. 10 years, I know Alex Mooney was super good, and I, I think Alex Mooney is, is arguably the best one. There's a bunch of kids who are arguably the best one, uh, and Bonner belongs in that category. I'm not going to sit here and say he's definitively the best one. I don't think that that's necessary, but I do think he belongs in that group and that select group of the best position players uh, for Michigan in the last 10 years, which is a which, if you look at the best position players from Michigan in the last 10 years and you compare them to the best position players in Michigan in the last 40 years, like it's up there. Like the, the last 10 years, probably, like in my opinion, the best. And I think we've talked about it ad nauseum yeah. enough. We don't need to cover that in the award show, um, but Bonnemer is certainly a part of that category. He hit 541 this year with eight home runs. Uh, he swiped 15 bags too. Um, the uh, led his team to a 24 record. I mean, shoot, slug- he, slugged, he slugged 1.06 through the first 25 games of the, of the season. That's in, like unbelievable. For those at home who aren't aware of analytics, that's ridiculous like i almost dropped an f-bomb like that was that's that insane to slug that high uh, i'm starting to wonder if they maybe mixed up Yeah, can, can,
1: we, can we emphasize just that's slugging
0: not ops right exactly <laughs> like the ops is touching two at that point right that's insane uh right. so good for him because that's that's absurd
1: uh I mean, also an, an, OPS, an ops like that is usually top two or three guys on the team generally if your ops is that number let alone just just your slugging
0: Right, exactly, and and the Player of the Year, uh, Gatorade Player of the Year in Michigan um, for this season, and that's a pretty prestigious award. Obviously, Porter won it last year, the year prior to that, I believe, was Mooney. So it's a very uh, select group, and they had quoted Coach uh, Lipkowski from Deco- uh, Detroit Country Day has a quote here from uh, for Gatorade. He says, Caleb Bonomer is the best hitter we've faced by far. Defensively, he's as good as a shortstop as anyone we've seen. If he's played against everyone the way he's played against us, I'd be hard-pressed to think there's a better player in the state of Michigan. So I praise for him. Excellent job. Congratulations to Caleb Bonomer, who comes back next year. Um, and if you're not watching at home, he hit a ball in the perfect game national where uh, our dear Brian Sikowski is right now currently. He hit a ball 107 off the of wood. And like effortless, like there was not a lot of torque. Like he was not trying. He was, (laughs) he was just swinging. And if you were listening to his interview with us on the show, his approach, he said, "Well, it's just, just simple. Just go play baseball, you know." And it's like, oh, to be that simple, I would love, I would love for that. That's really the. If
1: if I were a pro scout, I would really love that. Oh yeah. I mean. You know how hard it is it, guy, guys like me, guys like me, who are a little more high strung or, you know, try the, the tryhards of the world. We, we don't last 162 games a year for 10 years. You know, right. you gotta, you gotta be a little more easygoing than that.
0: Right, exactly. And to, for it to be that easy for someone kind of says everything you need to know about that player's uh skill set. So congratulations to Caleb Bonomer. And then we move to division two's player of the year, uh, Last year's winner is once again this year's winner. So congratulations on on uh, on back to back Division Two Player of the Years for Kyle Remington. It was another really strong campaign for him, where he was able to uh, put on display what he can do not just on the mound but also at the plate. It's re- you, you'll guys, we we tried like we looked around, like we asked for stats, like we looked at stats, and like nobody on offense and defense was doing. What Remington did in Division Two, he he hit 434 with 53 hits, 12 doubles, three triples, and a homer. Scored 59 runs, swiped 26 bags, had 22 walks to nine strikeouts. And then in, on the mound, on the mound, he went 10 and 0 with a 1.49 ERA. Uh, in the playoffs, he went four and 0 with a 0. 0.5 ERA. You want to talk about showing up and and playing to the highest level and and the most important time we talked about it on the show before the playoffs started. I'm like, dude, I I don't, I know I have not been able to watch a lot of these guys lately, but like Monday through Sunday, if I have a game that day and you're giving me a team and I have to pick a pitcher, like I'm picking Kyle Remington to start that game because everybody behind him is going to play with everything they got. They're going to embody the, the, you know, motions he puts out there and the lack thereof because I've seen him play with the most emotion in the world when he's in the field. And I've seen him play with absolutely zero emotion and just be completely dial in on the mound and, and be dominant in both phases. And he's a very uh, unique player in the way he can adapt to what he needs to be for his team that day and how well he, he does uh, to carry that with him through those games. So really impressed with what Kyle has been able to do over these last four years, knowing him as a freshman, seeing him develop into what he was as a sophomore. And then uh, to carry that flame, because a lot of guys get that momentum and then just kind of hit a wall. And and I don't think he ever did. I think he just kept ascending. So congratulations to Kyle Remington. Uh, What did you like from Kyle this year?
1: Is he, uh, is he considered, I guess, are they looking at him as a, as a possible two-way in Minnesota? Yeah, he's going to be, yeah, he's a two-way. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, back to back, back-to-back as player of the year I know you haven't been running these awards for very long but spoiler alert he's the only uh the only back-to-back winner he must be doing some things right and you know another guy whose team was I mean team of the year you know it's uh he led the way and there's an awful lot to to like about him he's been doing it right for a long time and it'd be fun to fun to watch him going forward I mean you've you've seen more of him than I have and have always spoken very glowingly of him. And you see, you know, he seems to, besides just being very skilled, he seems to have a good idea of what he's doing out there and, you know, a leader and just have a lot of poise and, and, uh, has a good idea of what he's trying to accomplish when he's on the mountain. That's for sure.
0: Yeah. You talk about the intangibles and that that's a conversation, uh, you could have for a while because, uh, he is, the embodiment of what you want your guys to be, in my opinion. In my opinion, how
1: did, how did it come about with uh, with Minnesota? That's not one that you commonly hear, guys from our <laughs> he area. He wanted to go there.
0: I don't even know if he's comfortable with me telling this story, but I'm going to tell it anyway. going to assume he <laughs> is. Uh, shout out to Pat Remington. Um, yeah, he just wanted to go there. Like he he has family connections there. I believe they know like a family friend who uh somebody who play who played there. I believe the Minnesota coach is also a Michigan guy. Okay. There's 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 deep rooted connections there though. And, and Kyle always wanted to go to Minnesota. Like he was talking about going to Minnesota as like a freshman and I think he reached out and let them know he had interest, which is hey, for those at home who like are like hey, how do I get recruited? Like here's a good story, okay? Kyle Remington is a great player, right? Um he knew what he wanted. He wanted to go to Minnesota. He knew that was attainable. He reached out. They said, "Hey, come visit." Kyle went to visit. Kyle got offered. Kyle committed. And it's like you know, it's not going to work out that peachy every time. But like, you got to know where you're at. You got to look in the mirror, you know. And, and some people are like, it's much easier to be like, oh, well, I really think Minnesota is attainable for me. Like, it's much easier when it is. Like, not you know, one in one in fifty are going to get the, and one in a million are going to get that opportunity to say, you know, I'm good enough to be Power Five. So let me reach out. But I think the the way Kyle went about it was, uh, man, it was. Um, The perfect way to do it he had an interest in a program that he knew he could fit into he told them how he fit he told them his his deep-rooted connections and why he wanted to be there and uh you know it worked out and went the way it was great
1: what a great score for Minnesota, though. I mean, that's... Oh, it's awesome. Ha- having someone who just wants to go to your school. And it's not its not like it's... I know Minnesota technically is not that far from Michigan, but it's very hard to get to.
0: Oh, <laughs> extremely. Extremely.
1: For, I mean, obviously, if you drive, you're going either over or under the Great Lakes to get... And it's a long trip. Right. And even if right. you do fly, uh, flying is expensive between Detroit and Minnesota, Delta Hub to Delta Hub. That's an expensive flight. So Especially
0: it, in Grand Rapids. Right. Especially Grand Rapids. Yeah, that's not uh,
1: that's not a common that's not a common one. But good score for Minnesota and good for him, being that he he was interested and he got it done.
0: Yeah, and he's probably going to play early. I'd have to imagine, you know. And right. it's just one of it's a situation where you know nowadays kids are in again similar to what you said earlier. Not to tangent here, but I, I'll I'll end with I'll end this topic with this. We're in this uh, era of baseball and just college sports in general where we're just like beating each other's heads in over. The transfer portal and kids committing to big brands over committing to fit and situation, and you know, you you have to know exactly what your situation is, and you have to be comfortable with it. And it doesn't start and end with like I'm putting on X, Y, and Z jersey, like you know, and I'm I'm playing at one. I'm going to go play for this big school, and I'm going to earn my spot. Like it's not always that simple. It is it is smart to to know and think effectively with what you're doing. When you go to college go play college baseball because that you know it's time man first of all time is money and it's like the most valuable thing in the world is time unfortunately um and when you're spending a year or two years somewhere where you're not going to develop or you're not going to play and what's the point? Unless you're just really passionate about that school, about that education, and you just want to be a part of that program. If you're, if you're going there to play and try to advance to the next level, like go somewhere where you're going to be able to do that. And it's like realistic and attainable, like betting on yourself is great, but let's be realistic. And I think Kyle Remington, uh, like I said, relative to Kyle Remington, that's, that's probably a difficult, more difficult conversation for others. Cause Kyle is going to play power five baseball. Uh, however, I think it's a good example. So congratulations back to back division two player of the year, Kyle Remington division three, we wanted to go uh, with two different guys here. Um, and I think we were supposed to, and I've got this messed up for Division Three Player of the Year, to be quite honest with you. I think this was supposed to be different. And now we're gonna do some really good radio, and I'm gonna sit here and wonder if we were supposed to do this different. But (laughs) there's always this moment with you
1: on every, almost every episode. There's something.
0: (laughs) No, it's literally every episode. Getting the the
1: Traverse Cities mixed up, or it's always something. You're you're always talking yourself into
0: a corner. Yeah, no, talking myself into a corner is what I do. I would say arguably what I do best. Um, if I, if, if I had to pinpoint something, I'd do best, uh, division three player of the year, we will announce on social media. I'm officially declaring we will announce the division three player of the year on social media because Brian has this and I don't have it. And I know that it's not what I'm seeing in front of me. So we're going to skip division three player of the year. And, uh, I'm going to go back in my texts and see if I missed something and, and what I can do to, uh, to offset that in between. But for now, we'll move on to division four player of the year, uh, where we have Nick uh, Vercuzo from Hackett Catholic prep winning in division four. Uh, listen to this. Uh, you haven't heard a lot about him probably, but he's a shortstop for Hackett Catholic in division four. He hit five, 19 doubles, three triples, three homers. He was 48 for 50 on stolen bases. Uh, he's dominant here, dominant, dominant, dominant here. Um, I coach. I don't think you've watched him play. If, I have you have any, if you have any thoughts to offer? I, I yeah, don't. I was I gotta rely on you for this one. Cal- Cal- I mean Kalamazoo
1: baseball in general. I, I don't have a lot of knowledge. I know that they've had a solid program for the last several years,
0: but I'm not familiar with Nick. Uh, but still, all the same. Congratulations to our Division Four player of the year, Nick Vercuzo out of Hackett Catholic Prep. Uh he is, I believe, coming back next year. Uh, but I could be wrong. Let's see here. No, it looks like I believe he's going. Yes, he was on the state championship team in 2021. I believe he was a senior this year. But awesome year for him, and congratulations on the award. And that brings us into our final run of awards here. Uh, Moment of the year, Cinderella of the year, Mr. Downriver, our rookie of the years. And then we'll wrap up. Uh, We'll start with moment of the year. Um, And this moment this year is simply named, quote, unquote, the streak. We thought about a few different ways to go about this, but we thought the best way was just to simply name it the streak because uh, there was two moments for the streak this year. Uh, You had the moment that Orchard Lake uh, snapped the record and uh, brought a new record on for most consecutive wins uh, in a row. And I believe that number was 84, if I'm not mistaken. That's the number that broke it. Um, And inevitably, that streak came to an end against Liggett. And both of those moments are moment of the year because it is the streak in and of itself is our moment of the year. Just what it meant to well, not just to Orchard Lake, but to the state and what it meant to the history of high school baseball around here. Uh, it was really all the talk for the last two years now, but it was extremely spotlighted until it ended. And then once it ended, we we kind of started to look around at other teams and realize uh, they were going to have a hard time winning a state championship this year relative to how, how difficult it was in, in years prior. And uh, regardless, the streak was, I think, the most followed – I mean, every team, maybe not every team, that's overstating, but a lot of people kept up with every Orchard Lake game. For the first two months of the season while that was still alive and you're just keeping up with it and keeping up with it. And, you know, they had some tough, you know, close games that they were trying to win and you keep up with those. And then uh, I finally came to an end against Liggett. Um, of course you had the one game that was a tie with Rice called for light. And so there's still a lot. Yeah.
1: So I don't want to, I don't want to downplay
0: what Liggett did because that
1: was obviously an unbelievable day for Liggett. But I think right. officially didn't they end up deciding that the streak actually ended against Rice because They came back when they finished that game. Rice ended up winning that game. So officially in the record books, didn't they determine that the Rice game was actually the the breaker? You might be right
0: on that. I have not heard. There's
1: another one you can bring up to sack later. He might be more well-versed on that part of it. Obviously, Liggett was the team that beat them on the field first. That's right not debatable in our books. Right. Um, But rice having the suspended game and then later winning that game, I believe officially that's where they, what they mark as the ending of the streak. But r- regardless, it was uh, either way it, both rice and Liggett are very good teams. It took a very good team to, to end the streak either way.
0: Yes, very much so. And it was the most commanded storyline that everybody and their mother kept up with that I've seen in high school baseball, and really in high school sports, like I, there's, there's so much buzz around that program, and still is. There always, there will be for for the next quite a while. I would I would say, but especially during the streak. So our moment of the year in 2022 was the Edison and Liggett District semifinal with the walk off grand slam, or not the walk off but the go ahead grand slam last year. Um, this year, however, it is the streak. Sooner I feel like
1: up. there's. A, I feel like there's a lot to. Not that we have all the time in the world, but I feel like there's a lot to. To talk about it, just in the sense that, you know, first of all, I, I would say that it, it was definitely the most deserving team of owning this streak. You know, there there could be, there could be situations, and I think there have been before, where maybe a small school was just dominating a lower division or something, and then maybe not scheduling a lot of tough non-league competition, and you can run off a lot of wins in a row doing something like that, but. We're talking about a team playing in division one playing in the most challenging conference in the state playing double headers two double headers a week against some of the best teams in the state and running off a streak like that you know and and just with the number of division one commits that they've had from those teams um you know a future future hall of fame coach i think we could say in and, and, and matt peter even though he's too young to be a hall of famer at this point but um, I think a future one for sure, just the the staggering talent, the few the draft picks, the uh the future professionals on that team, guys that are dominating college baseball right now already. Um, you know, it's there's not you can't really you can't say too much about those the, the teams that put that streak together. And then I, I would say, you know, part two to that, the streak was broken and it it was more than one, you know, it was more than one loss that they ended up having. You know, it was like I thought, you know, maybe after that Liggett day, maybe they would put it back together and, and, and run the table after that. And that's not the way it happened. You know, they ended up losing a few more games and then um I think quite surprisingly were knocked off in the district, which I don't think anybody really saw coming. Um, you know, that kind of thing can happen in baseball, but it's but it's really an interesting story.
0: It is something that we're we're gonna be talking about for a super long time. Like like we'll always go back to that. 100. I mean, it's history, you know, and it's hard to it's hard to realize history when it's modern, when it's happening right in front of you. Right. Um, you know, what
1: did that feel? What did that feel like to uh, to to Matt Petrie to, to to lose a game in the state tournament? I mean, m- most of us lose a game in the state tournament every year. He hadn't lost one since 2018. <laughs> you know, that's that's got to be it. I, first, a, first of all what a first of all what a run. I mean, right. You know, right. Like, the God the bless perspective the of that is insane <laughs> yeah. because
0: they because like. Yeah, I, I get 2020 didn't happen, but like all the same, like that's still mm-hmm. even if you take 2020 out of it and just skip that year, it's still three right. years without losing. And then, then you yeah, and then you put on the then you put up the fact that like they they were the best team in 2020. So right. oh, yeah, you know, sure. at, least, yeah. at least on paper, yeah, they
1: were, they were as good in 2020 as they as they were in any of the other years, pretty much, and. Right. You know, most of us have it. Our, us baseball guys, we basically have it in our DNA. You know, we know at some point in early June there we're going to have that crushing loss that really kills us. And if you're lucky, maybe once or twice in your life you don't have one. But for him, not for him to go five years basically without being eliminated from the state tournament—I
0: mean, what a what a run! All right, my brain just skipped out on a response. I apologize. Then um, um, needed you just you just let it lie you just let it lie for a second you just gotta you just gotta let him breathe just gotta, <laughs> at that point in time Sack been like all right and Brandon doesn't want to say anything so <laughs> I know he's listening thanks Brian um all right. Moving on, so congratulations to uh, Orchard Lake. Uh, you know, and we we understand it didn't win the state championship this year and all that, but still, the streak like we just spoke about, pretty incredible. Uh, all right, moving on to our Cinderella of the year. Last year it was Chippewa Valley. They had an eight game season or eight win season last year in the regular season, and then made it to I believe the state quarterfinal and lost to Gross by North on a walk off. So um, that was our selection last year. This year's winner of the Cinderella of the year is Woodhaven who we alluded to a bit earlier in this uh, in this uh, award show. Uh, a lot of options for Cinderella of the Year because you had so many teams make runs this year in uh, Division One and uh, even in the other divisions. Um, but Woodhaven, as we mentioned earlier, with consideration for Coach Farner for Coach of the Year, uh, Woodhaven's the winner of Cinderella of the Year because not just the fact that they were 26-11 and 11 entering the playoffs, um, that they didn't win the league, for the first time in several years and then went and did what they did however it's how they did it in the playoffs that made them cinderella of the year honestly because they were able to uh, come back and beat allen park uh, when they were losing in, the, i believe the fifth inning against allen park and that's the team who had beaten them twice in the regular season allen park was the only team in, in I don't know the exact number, but I think the only team ever to go undefeated in the Downriver League as far back as I can remember. Um, I asked Kotner about that, and he believes they were the first one to do it too, but uh, I might get fact-checked there. All the same, they beat what is one of the better Downriver teams in a long time in Allen Park in comeback fashion. And then, uh, of course, uh, Dan, they were able to pull off a pretty extraordinary comeback against Gross Point South, uh, in which they scored uh, – Six runs with two outs and seven runs total in the inning. Uh, they were down by, I believe, six going into that inning, and then ended up being up by two going into the next one, and that was the bottom of the sixth, right? Yeah, bottom of the sixth. So, uh, yeah. and then they were down five nothing or four nothing. They were down four nothing in the semi, and they were able to come back from that one and win that game and get to the final, where they ran out of gas and didn't have enough to to beat Novi. However, uh, three straight comeback victory, or not three straight, but three comeback victories. And not just like two to one comebacks, like big time comebacks, down seven to in the quarterfinal, down four, oh, in the semifinal. And down, I believe, like five to two or five to three or three to one or something like that. They're down two or three runs against Allen Park late as well. So congratulations to Woodhaven for being our twenty twenty three Cinderella of the year. Dan, I will open the floor for you, however, I will gladly close it that if that's what you'd like to do.
1: <laughs> no, I mean I obviously had an up close personal view of part of this Cinderella run for uh for Woodhaven, you know, the, the thing that I would say, at least this is just my personal feeling, I, obviously it was a very tough loss for us in that quarterfinal game because we were at a 7-2 lead in the sixth inning with uh, with one out before anybody was on base. Um, but, you know, just the way I felt internally, I, I really didn't think it was over at that point. You know, I certainly wasn't celebrating. I knew that the guy we had on the mound was probably going to run out of pitches. Um I knew that uh, our number one pitcher was was, you know, pretty much shot from the first game that day in the regional final, um, and we we weren't sure. You know, we hadn't had anyone besides those two guys throw in a while. That's just the way that our team was set up. We had a one and two, and we had gotten by with just the one and two at that point. And you know, it's it's a team that wasn't going to give up, and you could just tell. You know, they were still having good at bats. Um, we knew that. Uh, Their number one. Is it pronounced uh, Langway? Is that how you pronounce it, like Okay, I know it's spelled like Langlo. I always pronounce it wrong. Um, we knew we had, that he had a few pitches left, and if it got close, they, they'd be able to bring him in. And, and this is a little bit off topic, but he's a really nice arm as well. Um, you know, he he can really reach back and bring it. Yeah, he um, was awesome for them all year. Yeah, I mean they they always Woodhaven always seems to find a pitcher at the top of the rotation
0: that that can really, really bring it. Um, yeah, the, next year they've got two studs coming in, uh, Lucas Farner, and it's Corey's kid, um, right? And uh, Cameron Thorning, both two right. guys who who won World um, Series, yeah, the Little, Little League Little World, League World, World series. series. So the Little League World Series, a legacy, is uh, it's left Gross Point, and it is yeah, in down down, river, down 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 river, now now. Yeah, although it's across
1: a few different schools, right? Some of those other
0: guys yeah. went going to other places, but yeah, they all ended up going a few There's just some kids right. in Huron, some kids in Taylor, some kids in Woodhaven. I don't know the others. I think there's people who are so involved in like where kids go, and I don't, I got no idea. I just told they're not right. coming to girls. I know they're not coming to grow Zeal. I can tell you that much. <laughs> they right. least look serious, guys. Right. So we still got some studs, though. Don't worry. No, uh-huh.
1: But uh, yeah, but as far as Woodhaven goes, you know, I really felt like they were as much as I hate to say it, I knew that they were still in the game, and I knew if we didn't earn those last five outs, it wasn't going to happen, and and they fought. I mean, they were just a team that doesn't give up. You could see it in every game that they played. Um, I think they were playing sort of like they had nothing to lose. You know, I don't think that they were a team that had a lot of pressure on them this year. You know, Woodhaven's been a good team for a long time, but like you said, they weren't really expected to be a Final Four team this year or a state championship contender this year, and that's kind of how they played. They played like they had nothing to lose, and they uh they didn't uh they didn't give up anything easy I mean they just made they made you work for every single out and and as an opponent of theirs in a big game that's that's just how I felt we were gonna have to earn every single out and we we didn't earn we didn't earn all all twenty one of them in that game unfortunately, and that's that's the way it works
0: no it's uh it's baseball. You're going to be on the right side of it. You're going to be on the wrong side of it. And we've told, we could you could say it a million different times. It doesn't make it hurt any less. It still sucks when it happens, but it feels really good when you're on the other side of it. And you know, we've been there and we, and we haven't been there. So congratulations to Woodhaven for being our Cinderella of the year uh, for 2023. And then we move on to Mr. Downriver, One of my favorite awards. Uh, Last year's winner was Ty Garza. Go devs. Little did I know when we gave that award, Ty Garza last year. Um, I'd end up coaching at Curzio. Um, Not the reason he won, obviously, because he had no idea those things were happening at that point in time. He had a very dominant year last year and uh, <clears throat> at the plate and even uh, came in and threw a little bit as well. Um, but this year, the winner is Gavin Muzzy out of uh, New Boston, Huron, Michigan State uh, commit. He had a uh, stellar year at the plate, hitting 412 with 47 hits, 15 doubles, a triple 24 ribbies and even swiped 13 bags. But where we all know Gavin Muzzy to be dominant is on the mound. He had 58 innings pitched. His record was seven and one only gave up 21 hits in 58 innings, 58 innings with eight earned runs, 15 walks, 120 strikeouts, a 0.96 ERA, a 0.62 whip, and the opponent's batting average of 107. Uh, so it was an, an extraordinarily strong, dominant year for Gavin Muzzy. I would like to uh, personally apologize um, for him getting to a full count with two outs in the bottom of the seventh inning and uh, Groziel's uh, Levi Lane hitting an infield single to break up said no hitter oh. with one out left in the game and a 3 2 count in the bottom. Oh, end, so so uh
1: where'd he hit hit it was it a legit legit short
0: it was legit he ran it out yeah okay you get some speed out of the box and ran it out and simple as that i mean it was did he hit the ball super hard no but did he did he do what he got to do to get on the first base sure did you're right counted counted in the book but uh he didn't didn't bunt though no he did not bunt i would never i'm not i'm not a monster Uh, (laughs) um Muzzy ended up getting his no hitter though uh, against Flat Rock in the district semifinal, I believe, and so he ended up getting that 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 no hitter. And he got kept getting close and not getting it, but yeah, he was dominant, man. And then he, um, you know, the other option for this was uh, Shane McClendon. Um, he was really really hard to not pick because he was so good this year for Riverview. We just think Muzzy's ability on the other side. You know, Muzzy was so good at the plate too. You know, to hit to hit over four hundred. And also go throw the way he did pretty undeniable. But Shane McClendon, I believe I'm saying your last name right, but If I'm not, I'm sorry. But he was uh, extraordinarily good for Riverview this year. We also want to shout him out as a congratulations because he did just commit to Oakland. And pretty awesome to be a senior in July, committing to a Division One school. Um, sometimes when you wait, it, it plays out the way you want it to. Does it always work that way when you when you wait that long? Not necessarily, but you know McClendon obviously was a late bloomer and wanted to uh, you know put his best stuff out there and and he did. And Oakland came to watch him at the Riverview Huron game. And the reason we're bringing this up is because you know we're deciding between Shane and and Muzzy, and uh, these two faced off against each other in the uh, regional semifinal. Huron versus Riverview, of course, third time playing against each other, and uh, Huron took two from Riverview in the regular season, and then in this game they went nine innings, and uh, it was one nothing with two outs in the bottom of the seventh, and Huron was able to tie it with one nothing, three two count I believe, it was two two counts something like that. It was a the kid it was a hit and run where the shortstop was drawn into second base, and the kid at the plate was a small little lefty, and he kind of just stuck the bat out and, and got enough of it on turf to put it in that five six hole not through it just towards it and they had already pulled the middle away with the steal, and he was able to hit that way and force the throw over to first and on the throw the kid who was stealing from second there was a double steal guy from first to second and the guy from second to third and the guy who was taking second to third actually ended up trying to steal take home too and drew the throw from the first baseman which was not in time and you know they went to extras and Riverview ended up winning on a wild walk off or on a walk off wild pitch. And uh, but Muzzy went eight innings in that game, I believe, or seven innings, and Shane went either seven or eight innings. And they were both tremendous. They both, I think, had one earned run at most. So they were awesome. Um, so I thought, hey, what if we give it to Shane? Because in in the, in the final duel, they ended up winning it. But you know what? What Gavin was able to do on the offensive side was pretty undeniable. So congratulations to Gavin Muzzy for being our Mister Downriver in 2023. Um, were you able to watch? I don't think I definitely know you weren't able to watch Shane this year because I don't think you guys saw Riverview at all. But anything we were, were you able to watch from here on this year and, and yeah, Muzzy I saw.
1: Well, I got to see I got to see Gavin in the uh, in the All Star game up close. Right. Um, you know, which was good. First of all, I know this is liable to make me sound like an idiot, I guess, but I but I'll be honest with the audience here. I, in, until literally until I saw the lineup card for the All Star game, I had no idea that Muzzy wasn't his real last name. Is this something that you knew? <laughs> yeah, I had no idea. Is that is it like a moniker? Did he take this yeah. on a long time ago? Like what what is what is this?
0: Yeah, his. Uh his last name is impossible it's, it's yeah. impossible <laughs> dude it's enough to have like enough for people to not even understand that like what people call you is not actually your last name um it's like Mela, uh, it's my, mela or something well, like I, I still have I it know? i still have it printed here from the from the game but M-
1: m-o-c-m-o-c-z-y-d-l-o-w-s-k-y Muzzy. That's
0: what it sounds like to me. Sounds like Muzzy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it was to the point where when I first looked at it, I I didn't realize that it was him until you know, obviously, I did eventually. But um, you know, it it didn't take long to realize it was him. But I had absolutely. I figured, you know, listening, hearing about this guy for the last three years, I I thought his name was Gavin Muzzy. Um, (laughs) But anyhow, yeah. No, I got to see him. You know in both forms uh, as a two-way guy in the, in the all-star game. And I think he's the right choice for uh, Mr. Downriver. I'm disappointed that my prediction of uh, Huron against Liggett, I kind of thought that was going to be like the big D2 matchup prior to the final four. I thought that was going to be like the showdown game in D2 and it didn't quite work out. I know it's not his fault, but um, I just thought, that would be a really good game that didn't quite materialize, and and not and not only was it, did it not materialize, but the fact that that game went so long probably hurt Riverview or whoever won that game. It was going to hurt them going forward, just using a lot of pitching and everything. Um, but uh, you know, again, those things happen. That's all of what goes. That's all of what goes into making the state tournament complicated and producing upsets.
0: Yeah. Well, similarly, that's what makes it so exciting. Yep. So congratulations uh, to our Mr. Downriver, our very prestigious award. Uh, we'll wrap up here with Rookie of the Year. Thanks, everybody, for sitting and listening to the CWB Awards for 2023. We'll wrap up here with our Rookies of the Year. Uh, in the pitching category across all divisions, we have Caden Jomini from Matawan, who was extremely good for them all year as a freshman. The Michigan commit two-way uh, had some serious uh, impact in the final four as well. In the semifinal game, played a, played an awesome game, and and had, he was really a star throughout the playoffs and really all season. And he'll continue to be uh, for Matawan. I think he was uh, a primary. Him and him and Garza both were awesome on the mound, um, and uh, he was a primary reason they made the, the run they made in uh, Division One playoffs. They were a team that came out and beat Portage Northern, who was a really highly Prestigious team year in and year out, but especially this year with the record they had, and I think they beat them like what? I think they put up twenty runs or something, right? Like wasn't like it, oh, it, was,
1: it was crazy, yeah. So, Mattawan's been kind of a sneaky contender for a couple of years now. I, I think, yeah, they were in the final eight, I think, last year also. Um, the West like
0: Side they- the West Side teams are just man, they just yeah. they never they're so they're so plentiful,
1: right? And they're going to be obviously contenders for the next few years just based on having
0: him, right. Most definitely, most definitely. Um, so, congratulations to our first rookie of the year. We don't have one from last year. This is the first year we're doing them. Uh, so, congratulations to Caden. In the rookie of the year player category, we went with uh, Hudson Brustevich from Orchard Lake St. Mary's. Uh, he had to step in and, and play a really big role. Uh, he kind of ran alongside Minnie McKay uh, when Minnie went out and was hurt for a while. He, met, I mean, Minnie missed a lot. I think what, to like a, at least a month, maybe more. It might have been like two months. Uh, and Jason Oliver, obviously, a really dependable pitcher for Orchard Lake, and so anytime Oliver would go into pitch, uh, Minnie would seamlessly move over to shortstop because I promise you, if, if, like, Jason's not there, like, it doesn't matter what high school team you're coaching, like, Minnie McKay's shortstop if you don't have Jason Oliver or maybe Caleb Bonimer. but outside of that, like, there's very few out there I'd take over them, and uh, when Minnie went out, Hudson had to step up as a freshman, and, and granted, you know, Hudson has an older brother, Parker, on the team, and he's been able to be around the team a lot over the last few years. But all the same, as a freshman at that level, playing the teams you're playing against, like the brother ices and the CCs of the world, um, and what and the Liggetts and what have you, having to go in and and, and even if you're playing at the level of, because he is committed to Notre Dame, it's not like he's nobody or anything. I mean, a rookie of the year, Caden John, we committed to Michigan, rookie of the year player. Hudson Brustevich committed to Notre Dame. It's not like we're picking diamonds in the rough here or anything, but it's still all the same to have to plug in for Orchard Lake St. Mary's during the streak, having to play shortstop and, and you know, in place of McKay when uh, Oliver goes to pitch and then having to switch over to first base uh, in between there, I believe is what he was doing. Um, or maybe not first base, but he was, he was third. I don't know. I just know he was plugging and playing in a couple of different spots. He had to kind of play the position he was asked to play that day type of deal throughout the season. And that's tough to do as a freshman. Uh, and he was able to put up some big numbers at the plate, uh, you know, relative to the competition he was playing and the age that he is. I think he uh, hit around 300 and, um, you know, drove in some runs as well and, was a pivotal uh, part of Orchard Lake because, you know, it's no secret this year. They didn't have the same firepower offense they've had in the past. Like, you know, the offenses they've had in the past, as we mentioned during the show, is they're, they're like historic. So having to step in and do that is, uh, is high pressure. And I think he blended right in. And I think uh, he'll continue to to shine uh, for them as well. And uh, him and his brother get one more year together next year. Hudson will be a sophomore. Parker, the uh, also a Notre Dame commit, will be a senior. So anything you saw from the – uh, younger Brustevich, and there's another one coming yep. too. By the way, who allegedly could be I didn't, the best one? Is what I didn't Brian even sang.
1: I didn't even know that part. It's starting to sound like the uh, the Bar family,
0: right? Yeah, um,
1: just... yeah. You know, I I think uh, Sack is kind of our resident uh, St. Mary's expert, and he he really feels like Hudson is the next the next big star there. And you know, that's enough for me. I I think it's an awful lot of pressure for any freshman to be on varsity. It doesn't matter what school you're at, but when you're stepping into a team of that caliber with that type of streak and what they've accomplished the last four or five years uh, with the competition they play, you know, being ready to face. It's one thing being in a lineup with big stars like that who are very accomplished, but when your main competition is teams like Brother Ice and CC and Liggett, um that's a lot for a 14, 15 year old, Um, you know, anyone who can hang in that kind of environment day in, day out, really impressive. And, um, you know, it'll be a really fun watch to see what happens with him over the next, the next few years, but definitely a future star and someone that we're going to be, we're going to be talking about for a while. And, you know, you mentioned something else too, that's a little bit off topic, but, How do you figure, you know, Minnie McKay's injury, I mean, how how much did that play into a little bit of a step back for St. Mary's this year? I mean, it certainly seemed like it made them a little bit more pedestrian, especially because, you know, like you said, Oliver having to go to the mound and and McKay not being there, that seemed like it really changed a lot of things for them.
0: Yeah, uh, the impact that Minnie McKay has, Ryan, I should call him Ryan, that's his name it's his guy.
1: <laughs> yes yeah. although i did, i did proactively call him Minnie at the uh the all-star game because there was two ryan mckays in the lineup right well he's, he's just
0: he's used to, to that
1: there the one, the one from Chippewa valley was also in the lineup so i had the, pro- the odds of that Yeah, you know, like just think about how crazy that is. We had we had an all we had an all Ryan McKay uh, uh, up the middle at one point. (laughs) That's hilarious.
0: Yeah, Uh, you know, man, his his impact is is, it's immeasurable. Um, You know, you talk about the raw impact of what he can do with the bat and and the glove and the physical stuff, but it's really the, the the intangibles and the mental and you know how much all those guys looked up to his his leadership. And there's other guys in that team who had been there for. You know, all three of those state titles in a row and for the streak and played all those games. But, like, you know, Mini is, um, you know, as natural of a leader as it gets, really easy for guys to follow along with his lead, leads by example on top of it. And, um, you know, he's just, you, they don't come around often, guys like him. They don't, you don't see him you don't see him much you coach a million kids you're gonna see one ryan mckay the same way that if you coach a million kids you're gonna see one kyle Remington, in my opinion too um and i, I thoroughly believe if ryan mckay was healthy all year he's probably putting in a pretty good uh fight for player of the year with 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 Bonomer, who ended up you know is the best player he's the better prospect he's the you know those things are true um but i mean many's just a walking barrel he's been a walking double since he was 11 so i think he uh Definitely had an opportunity this year to, uh, to to end up being player of the year if he, if he had a full season, but uh, he didn't. It's not how it worked out, and Bonhamer wins, and it is what it is. And, you know, Orchard Lake missed his bat all year and, and really needed it. And he, with, like, one foot, was able to – I think he went, with like, four for five in the game that they lost or something like that, So, or three for four, whatever it was. Um, but – but yeah, now his, his impact is immeasurable. So, um, but that is it for our, our awards for this year, the 2023 CWB Awards. I will recap them real quick here, run down the list and get you guys out of here. Uh, Coach of the year was Rick Green from Novi, Team of the Year, Grand Rapids Christian, Pitcher of the Year in Division One, down into Division Four. In order here, Andrew Abler out of Novi, Grant Garman out of Flint Powers Catholic, Josh Kastner out of Algonac, and Caden Smith out of Beale City. The Player of the Year by Division is Caleb Bottomer from Oakmus, Kyle Remington from Grand Rapids Christian. D3 we will announce on social media because we have a malfunction there. And then Division 4 was Nick Verduzzo. Verduzzo or Verduzzo is, is up for debate. Out of packet Catholic prep. Uh, our Moment of the Year was the streak, quote-unquote. Cinderella of the Year was Woodhaven, Mr. Downriver Gavin Muzzy, Rookie of the Year pitcher, Caden Jominy, and Rookie of the Year player, Hudson Burstavich and, of course, the most... Prestigious award by far, best third co host of the season of the year. And I think you might win this one a few more times than Orchard Lake wins state championships. As Dan Greasebaum Jr., who joined us today, we appreciate you coming on, appreciate you doing this and pinch hitting and stepping up. We love having you on the show and uh, appreciate all your support over the past couple of years. And uh, obviously, I think everybody at home appreciates your insight. So thank you very much for coming on and helping us host this today.
1: well thank you. I, uh, I, would love to keep this, uh make it two in a row next year and, and keep the streak alive. But uh, in all seriousness, I enjoy coming on with you guys. You're doing a lot of great things for, uh for baseball in this area. I know when you started the show, it seemed like maybe it was going to be like more of an all encompassing baseball show maybe, but now it's kind of become like the high school baseball show in Michigan, at least largely that way, you know, maybe not a hundred percent just high school, but I know that's kind of what it's, kind of what the main niche has been been, and I I think it's been great you know I think it's really added something to the high school game in Michigan and uh, I certainly hope you guys continue to uh to run with it and expand on it and I know you've always got new ideas
0: so it's going to be fun and I appreciate being able to help out we appreciate you and we look forward to uh I would say 2024 but I'm just going to say we look forward to you in season four, because that's coming around uh, here during the summer, and we'll start back up with a new season. Um, But until then, for all you guys at home, for Brian, who is somewhere in the middle of nowhere in Alabama, likely at Hoover, I would imagine, but I don't know the logistics of of this one. uh, For Brian, and for Dan, and for everybody involved with Cold Weather Bats this season, Great Lakes Bat Company, uh and hack at home care and prospect center everybody that's helped us out this year we appreciate it uh it was another fun season i had a blast and you know first season for me as a head coach and you guys were able to follow along with that so that was special uh to be a part of and just you know the the interest the text messages the 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 messages that uh people sent to me throughout the year because of the show uh because i don't think a lot of people really care about what Brandon Justice is doing if he didn't host Cold Weather Bats, but uh, the messages were very appreciated. So if you reached out at all this year, even if I was slow in replying to you or if I gave you a short answer because we just got punked 12-0 by Gavin Musley and the Huron Chiefs, uh, <laughs> just know that it's appreciated and it goes a long way, and uh, you know, I'm one of those people who never forgets who reached out and who said who said good stuff so i just want to make sure that if you're listening and any you reached out to cheer just know i really appreciate it and uh speaking for brian uh, we really appreciate all the support for the show some really cool things coming in 2023 summer so season four i gotta stop alluding to years season four is going to be really cool we have some some new special stuff coming um if you're interested in finding out more about it feel free to shoot us a dm lastly for some housekeeping uh brian's probably pissed that i didn't say this at the beginning of the show but make sure you follow us on socials uh we are at cole with the bats both on twitter and instagram and then uh and lastly i'll clean up here if you are looking to sponsor the show um we operate solely off of sponsorships we don't make money any other way um and we also don't really make money this is another thing i want to point out uh um, i think together brian and i have in total in three years made about 250 bucks a pop maybe a little bit more give or take i gotta go back and look this year we did we did all right but uh you
1: you probably spent yours on baseball cards am am i right no that's a fact that's
0: a fact. Anything that hits my PayPal is immediately going to a sports card uh, in some form or fashion. So that's a fact. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So uh, we are looking for sponsors for 2024. We have some people who are interested and we are certainly uh, in talks with a few. So uh, we don't want anybody to miss out on an opportunity if they feel that it's a good fit. And if you feel it's within your bandwidth to help us out. Uh, we've got three different ad spots open for episodes. We've got social media ad spots uh, open as well. Currently Great Lakes Bat Company will continue to be one of our sponsors. Uh, we'll also likely bring back at Home Care next year. I can't speak for that because John and I haven't spoke, but... Um, About it, But I would imagine that they'd be interested in coming back next year as well. And and if not, then um, we look forward to seeing who would like to step up there. Uh, The show is awesome. It shines a spotlight on everybody in Michigan High School Baseball. It it gives the kids a platform. It gives the coaches a platform. It's uh, everything from a resource to learn about baseball, Uh, to learn about recruiting uh, and to also just be entertained and listen to a couple of guys talk about baseball and sometimes three, if Dan Griesbaum Jr steps up. And uh, although it's only been two guys the last time he's been on the show because he's been shitting when it's all three of us, it's a blast. So, uh, you know, we want to continue doing the cool things like the super 25, but we also want to do cool things like the player draft that was live this year. Um, You know, we want to do the award show live next year. And those things are all possible, of course, with capital uh, because you are all in a world where capitalism dominates everything, and that's a conversation that Brian Skowski would love to have with you another day. Uh, <laughs> for Brian and... I, I, don't,
1: I don't want to pinch it. I don't want to pinch it on that show. I yeah, exactly, I don't yeah, yeah, We're, <laughs>
0: I, I'll also sit out on the capitalist show, that, <laughs> the oral history. Uh, we appreciate you guys, honestly. Uh, it means a lot. Um, sometimes this show just kind of like, Happens every week because we kind of do it every week. But I just want to make sure everybody knows how much we appreciate it. And uh, you might hate our rankings. You might hate our awards. But just know it's always coming from a place of uh, wanting to give uh, Michigan high school baseball the exposure that we believe it wholeheartedly deserves. So, uh, for Brian Sikowski, somewhere in the middle of nowhere in Alabama, Dan Griesbaum Jr., everybody involved with Cold Weather Bats this year. uh, For Michigan high school baseball on another extremely fun season uh, for season three of Cold Weather Bats. I am Brandon Justice, and uh, they are everyone I just listed. Make sure you guys keep up with our socials so you can uh, find out what's coming in Season 4 and then when the next episode is coming from Season 4. I would imagine you will see it in... uh you will see it either at the end of July or early August. Given how much Brian is on the road, I would honestly believe it will be August. So in between now and then, feel free to hit us up on socials. Uh, keep up there to find out what's coming in in the future. We're very excited about it. We will talk to you guys soon. Thank you so much for tuning in to another long season of Michigan High School Baseball uh, podcasting with cold weather bats. We'll talk to you guys soon. Enjoy your summer. If you're playing summer ball, Don't let your coach throw you more than 105 pitches in a given day for all that is holy and earth. Have fun. Talk to you in season four. Woo!